All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Podcast. I am Dan Stark. We're here with my co-host, Noah Cope. Uh, Noah, we never talked about the uh, new splashy cover art that I created. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. It's a cute picture um, that I didn't even know existed. Um, there's some funny backstory or backstories to that trip that I think we'll keep between the two of us. Um, but I like it. And I like the question mark uh, after Chicago. I think uh, branching out of, of Chicago with um, you know our, our talk about the cycle and our other um, yeah, mini, seg- mini segments so. is, is good. Uh, so today, uh, probably going to be awfully Chicago-focused. Uh, it may be during especially as football season (laughs) gears up, it's probably going to be even more Chicago focused, although I'm sure we'll talk about other things, uh, NFL and baseball playoffs as those things uh, come around. But I wanted to start with the Cubs today. Uh, By the way, that the middle C of Chicago is a Cubs C. I don't know if you can tell that from the splashy cover art. Or even what the O is, but it's supposed to be a Bulls basketball. I don't know. That that, you that. Could, that I could tell. That, the C I didn't I didn't know. The C looks just like the font, but it is yes. a it is the Cubs C. Uh so first off, the uh we had a little discussion about the Cubs, the probably the most we had talked about them in a few weeks, at least the major league team. Uh, I said they felt kind of mildly disappointing. Uh then they went out and won three of four in Pittsburgh. Uh, which I thought was a, a nice series uh, win. You know, it's, I I had felt like oh, the in previous, I don't know, the previous few weeks that maybe that was a series they would end up splitting. Um, they did split the first two and then really kind of hammered them the last two. Although, oh, it's what I said. I mean, I you thought they weren't playing that well, and I said they. Other than that, bad series, they continue to win series, and I know they split two games with the White Sox, but really they took whatever it was three yeah. or four, three or four from them. And so I think other than that Mets series, they've won like their last, you know, 10 of their last 11 series or something like that. And so that's what they've continued to do. I think when we were recording, they were maybe in the middle of either that, the tiger series took two or three from them. Then they went up to Pittsburgh and took three or four. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've handled their business. You know, you'd love to see some sweeps and for them to get hot. Um, but at the end of the day, good teams go in and, and, and win series. And that's what they've been doing for the last month plus. So it's hard to argue yeah. with that, even though when you're seeing them, you know, win, you know, two games in a row and then lose one, it doesn't feel like they're sort of getting that same, um, you know, consistent, you know, awesome play was, that they had. Yeah. And it was more that the schedule was so soft right. uh, that, you know, it just kind of felt like they could have done more. Um I will say I, I uncovered this and I haven't looked in the last few days, but the biggest difference, honestly, between this team and the team that they were for most of the first half is that they're actually winning their one run games. Now that it's not nearly as lopsided um, as it had been in the beginning of the season. And I know when I sent it to you, they were eight and three in the second half in one run games, that's you know five games over. If they continued in the trajectory uh, that they had been on 
in the first half, they would have been like four and seven or even three and eight. Well, that's, those just, one that's kind of what we were talking about, though, when we were, you know, sort of discussing what the team should do at the deadline. And we were looking yeah, that to, they were to better than their record indicated. Yeah. And so the question was, was it going to be, you know, sometimes a team is just unlucky and you go through right. the season and you're lucky or sometimes you regress to the meet. And it, you know, yeah, and they're right. Their luck has started to even out. I think they're still way behind in terms of their overall uh, record in one run games, but it certainly has started to kind of level off a little bit and get closer that they're no longer quite so wildly underperforming their, their run differential because their record has improved in those one run games. Well, um, where they are, where they are getting unlucky is that Milwaukee refuses to lose. And so, you know, even while the Cubs are taking the series, Milwaukee is just winning, you know, I think they've won nine straight, including um, yesterday against the Cubs. And so they, Unfortunately, in that that stretch where you felt like, all right, they'd probably go into the series with Milwaukee a game or two back, given that Milwaukee was playing Texas and San Diego and Minnesota, um, not you know unbelievable teams, but you know, much better than what the Cubs were playing, and and they actually lost ground. Um, yeah. And, and so maybe if you're you're a fan of Milwaukee, you're starting to feel like, damn, maybe this is our year with with the way that they're they're playing and you know the pitching that they have. Um, but that was getting- that was obviously super frustrating. Well, it's funny because the Cubs got Ballinger, you know, a former MVP right. uh, in the offseason who had fallen on hard times. And it seems like the Brewers have now gotten a former MVP who had fallen on hard times uh, back um, performing at those high levels, except for this guy. That guy never left the team in Christian Yellick. He's been Yelich. Mm- really? Yes. Oh, thousand percent. Come on. That's that's a bad one. That's a really bad one. Can't let that one go. It feels like a so so player, but a guy that's uh, yeah, I think I did know that that one was actually wrong. I and you know, Christian Yelich was one of my I always thought that I was pronouncing it wrong when I said Yelich. Uh, he was one of my minor league draftees when back when I I think we've talked about that. That in my fantasy keeper league, uh, he was one of my guys. Uh, that I had picked up in the minors. Anyway, he's been playing much more like himself, or at least like the uh, last year Marlins. They're going to be first one, couple years Brewers one, two, and stuff. comeback player of the year. Bellinger yeah. and Yelich. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, so he, uh, yes, the Brewers are playing well, and the other problem is that there are so many teams with the Brewers playing well, and they're not really gaining any ground within the division. Um, in the wild card race, it's hard to get much space because there's so many teams there yeah. that, you know, someone else is always kind of keeping pace. At one point last week, I sent Noah a thing that there was one game separating five teams for the second and third wild card spots. It was the Cubs, the Reds, the Diamondbacks the Giants and the Marlins. Uh, the Marlins have since fallen on pretty hard times. And I think now that it's more like it is all out in front of the Cubs. Cause if you look at their schedule, they get the D backs, they get San Francisco coming up and they get the Reds coming up. And so, you know, yeah. it really, it really is. It, we'll see, even if they take these next two from Milwaukee, they'll still be three back. Um, and they only get a play. I think at the end of the season, two more times. So the Cubs could play well and still, you know, wound up not winning this division. But in terms of the wild card, it really is, you know, these next, 18, 19 games, it's all out in front of them. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, we talked a little bit about, um, you mentioned uh, 
I mentioned like what happened to Hap's power, and of course, I think he's hit at least one home run in the in the time since we said that. Uh, you sent me a thing. Uh, we had mentioned that you know, Suzuki Seiya seemed to be a little hot. Corner. Yeah, and you sent me uh, that in August. Was it his the second or third? He's like sandwiched between, or oh, he's just behind. The only, the only players with higher slugging percentages are who was it was Mookie Betts and Bryce Harper. Yeah, which is the company uh, that Suzuki always finds himself in. As, yes, as you responded yes. to me. Yeah, uh, right up there. So well, it's interesting because I I feel like Swanson and to a lesser extent, Bellinger, but I'll include him here, have actually not been as good as they were last month. Swanson for sure. Um, And it feels like, you know, the guys that are picking up the slack are Hap and, you know, Suzuki. And so it's nice that they go ahead. No, go finish your thought. I was just saying, it's like nice that, they, they don't have to be so reliant on the same guys and they can win in, in multiple different ways. That's to me, a, a, you know, one mark of, of a team that is going to compete. Yeah. And it would be nice if like all these guys were hitting at the same time, but that's kind of the difference between having guys who are true superstars and maybe Bellinger is kind of playing like one, at least to some degree and guys that are more in that kind of 120 ish uh, WRC plus thing where they're going to have months where they can, or weeks where they carry you, but they're also going to have weeks where they're not so hot. Right. Um, The only Uh, question I had is, do you, you know, I was at the game last night um, and Tyon was on the bump and man, he just right from the start, you know, the defense wasn't great. wasn't given, you know, a ton of help, but right from the start, you give up four runs in the first inning. And it seems like when they do play good teams um, and even in, in the first half, you know, any team they played, he struggled. You know, I don't, I don't see how they can, they can throw him out there much longer. Um, if they're you know, really serious about competing, they, they were able to make the move with smiley. Um I know they they need someone to eat innings, but I'm I'm starting to feel like he can't be pitching for this for this team if they want to continue to to contend here. I think that's the problem is that you know Smiley has been basically unplayable, right? Or at least you can't start him. Although they have had to, you already lost Stroman. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think. That, one of the problems is that Ben Brown is still out, I think, right? And so, but Horton was fantastic. I mean, listen, it's one start. I'm not going to over, but he looked unbelievable in that start um, against Pittsburgh. Gave up a homer, um, I think a, a walk and a single is how the first three batters went. And then he retired the next 15, struck out nine. Yeah, Wicks. A, you, yeah, Wicks. Wicks. Sorry, I said Horton. Right, but, but, but that's kind of what I was, what I was getting. You already called, you already pulled one of your guys up. But I'm saying um, in the playoffs, it, you only need four. For the rest yeah. of the regular season, you might have to have Tyone, you know, eat innings with with Smiley sort of behind him as uh the whatever come out in the fourth inning like they did yesterday or whatever it ends up being and have him eat some innings. But in the playoffs you only need four and you got Steele, you got Hendricks. Assad seems like he's starting to to solidify himself in the rotation. And if um if Wicks is, you know, what his stuff indicates he could be, that seems like you're four. Because 
I, I, you, you, they're not going to win many games with with Jamison Tyone pitching. I, it just it's it, it's a shame that you know they gave him the money he did, but at some point, you know, when when you're in the race, you are. You got to accept the, the reality of what's going on today. And it's that that Tyone has has not been a competitive pitcher for them. Uh, well, my point was, if Ben Brown was healthy, it would be a lot easier to just dump Tyone from the rotation. Um, but since you already put in Wicks for, you already got Assad in for Stroman. Now you got Wicks in for Smiley. Unless you want to call up the accidentally aforementioned Cade Horton. Yeah. Um, you know, Wisniewski, his, I would say, been at least a mild disappointment this year. Um, he's not the most highly regarded prospect or certainly wasn't before he got here. He kind of really pitched well last year after they got him at the deadline. Um, but he is not built upon that season. So I'm certainly not thinking that he's going to be a superior option to Tyone. I think the, the hope is that Tyone writes himself again, uh, but certainly that was not a promising start. Could yesterday. you do just do a fit the fifth days just you know bullpen game? You have Smiley pitch a couple innings. They just got Keegan Thompson back. When Fulmer gets back, he pitches a couple innings. The lighter can like you can just do you know, I, I don't know how much they want to tax the pen and if it's a feasible you know option, but it seems like competitively speaking, that that's a much stronger option than 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 hoping that Tyone, who I think it's got an ERA of around six, um and who you know they've they've given a you know leash all season to gets gets back to you know being the the average starter that he's been the last few years. Yeah, I think that's what they're that's what like I said, without Ben Brown uh being healthy, I, I don't I think they just gotta keep trying. I think the the bullpen game is probably an option, but also that's not great either because then but you're taxing you're your, taxing your, for your sure. bullpen. For sure. <laughs> like, but and, it's and better now, than than Almost guaranteeing a loss by yeah, putting forfeiting the, the gate. Yeah, right. I mean, we're not it's talking so about hard. Awesome it's so hard to, to get. It's so hard to get injury updates on these minor leaguers. PCA missed a bunch of games because he was sick, and there was like nothing about it. Like it's so, they just don't. No one seems to really be covering that beat very thoroughly. So I don't know when Ben Brown is coming back. Uh, so yeah, it looks like they're probably stuck with Tyone or being really creative uh, in, in the meantime. Well, speaking of uh, PCA, do we want to switch gears to uh, to your weekend trip to watching uh, watching PCA and the Iowa Cubs? Yes. So the first game, he was 0 for 3, with I think it was two strikeouts. Um, and then he came up with a guy on, um, and had not looked good in the previous three at bats, uh, but lined a pretty sharp single over the shortstop's head to to drive in the go ahead run. Uh, and then he also collected a hit in his fifth at bat of that first game, and he looked good. And you know he he actually in that game uh, got charged with two errors, but being at, one of them, I have no idea how he was the one that got charged. Maybe it was my my. Uh, from where I was sitting, but I I thought it hit off Canario's glove. Um, they had they definitely seemed to have 
some communication issues uh, between he and Canario. And I get he hasn't been there that long. Canario's coming off an injury. Canario, I thought, was pretty impressive with the bat. Um, I mean, he just won minor league player of the week. Yeah, his his bat uh, looked real good. Um, but he was borderline unplayable, I thought, in the outfield. Um, and I don't know if you know, he's come. I don't want, so I don't want to say like, oh, this guy can't play right because uh, he is just coming off two pretty serious injuries, and maybe he's got some rust. But he did not look good uh, out in the outfield, and I don't know if the and you know if a guy is relegated to DH only, that's a pretty high bar for the bat. Um, but his bat did look good. Uh, well, it seems like the three he, that are in conversation for a call-up are PCA, him, and Mervis. Yes. If and if, yeah. if he is just going to be a DH, it seems like it's just going to be whoever they think has got a better bat between him and Mervis, or if they want to go you know, PCA with, with the field, or if they do you know, a combination of, of both. Yeah, and that's the... And- that's the thing. Uh, by the way, in the second game, I think he was 0 for 3 with a walk. Uh, they only got two hits in the second game. Um, and I think that anyone they call up, they're not calling them up to you know insert them in the lineup uh, in the number three spot or in the leadoff spot, if it happens to be uh, Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, if if uh, PCA gets the call, it's going to be because they want him as a late inning defensive replacement and pinch runner. Right. But I'm saying if one of Mervis, right. Were, but then, right. But in then, it, which means then apply if they're going to, you're probably right. It probably is either Mervis or Canario. And then they're looking at PCA under a totally different light. Why send him to AAA at all? Right. Other yeah, than I think, want- what, I think it's what you said. It's like how quickly he's going to be, playing the outfield with a bunch of guys he hasn't played the outfield with. What does he look like out there? What does he look, how does he do against, you know, pitchers who are a notch below the pitch? Cause it's like, you can be like, okay, we're just going to use him as a defensive replacement and a pinch runner, but the games go on beyond that sometimes. Right. Right. And once he's in there, you bring him in as a defensive replacement, you're up one and all of a sudden, or even you're up three or whatever it is, game can become easily tied. Now he is batting. Yeah, yeah. So you, I'm sure they wanted to, him to get up there to make sure, you know, to at least be like, well, is he posting a, you know, a 500 OPS, right? When he's there, or is he at least holding his own, which gives us confidence he could kind of hold his own if we brought him up. Did um, anyone else from? I guess if you have something to say can answer this afterwards but did anyone else sort of surprise you make an impression on you while you're over there it's mostly guys who you know that are like on the you know it's canario mervis in pca like the kind of the true um prospects that are there um and then it's largely guys who've already been up and down yeah like you know Bodie's bat looked pretty good Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like a, right. it's not like you're going to double A or single A and you're finding, you know, these these guys. Yeah, the first like time. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I would say that um, Jake Slaughter, who is a much older guy, he started, I think he started last year in uh, single. He was at, he was in South Bend uh, when PCA was there and then eventually got moved up to Tennessee and is now there. He looked pretty good and he was a catcher. And he was playing second and third, and he would, you know, look, the, my eye test isn't good enough. He looked reasonably playable there, which I was surprised because, you know, you don't think of catchers necessarily uh, being able to play maybe third, but second was a, surprising to me. I know, you know, Austin Barnes is a guy who I think has played some second too, who's a big league catcher. Um, but I've always been skeptical of Jake Slaughter because he is much older. Like he, he destroyed uh what is it is it why i forget midwest league um pitching last year but he was like i don't remember if he was 25 or almost 25 but now he's also doing well in triple a uh and you know he's obviously still older um but i thought yeah this guy might he certainly isn't going to be a superstar but he he could be a a fringe major leaguer. He looked better than I thought he would. If Miles Masterbone is getting called up or down, Jake Slaughter can get called up and down. Exactly. Yeah. That that's kind of what he could be, which I would have said, yeah, he was 25 last year. He will be 27 in October. So this is his 26 year old season. Um, he looked pretty decent. The one guy. So uh, Jonathan Perlaza is a guy who I think he's 24. He just he just impressed me like he is a little tank. This guy is <laughs> so stocky and broad. I don't know if he'll ever he'll ever play. Remember um, uh, Diane Vici- uh, is it for the White Sox? Viciedo, yeah. Viciedo, similar build yeah. to him. Yeah, like he was a guy. That I felt like Perlaza. I don't know how fast he is, but if he had. Grown up in the U.S., he would have been a running back. Thank gotcha. you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, and then I would say uh, Luke Little uh, is a big lefty um, out of the bullpen. There, um, he I think he was a fourth rounder in twenty twenty. Um, what kind of stuff is he throwing a hundred or what's his, he was mid nineties. Okay. He's huge. He's a, he's six, eight. Oh, wow. Um, he turns 23 tomorrow. Now that I'm looking at this happy birthday, Luke little. Yeah. He, um, he definitely needs to throw more strikes. Um, but I think, and he had been, a, I think this year is the first year they've used him out of the pen that he had been a starter, which, you know, makes sense. You're going to try to keep the guy a starter as long as possible. Um, I think he's walking. I don't know exactly what it is. I guess I could quickly try to look it up, but I think he's walking about six guys per, gotcha. per nine, which is yeah, not yeah. a it's sustainable number. Um, but he's got, He's got good stuff. He strikes out a lot of guys. And if he can get, you know, oftentimes these super tall guys take longer to kind of perfect their mechanics because their levers are so 
long. And it's there's just know, so much harder. more going on. Yeah, it's a hard, it's right. not yeah. as repeatable of emotion. Right, exactly. And so I have to think that uh, he will be in the major league teams bullpen in the next, you know, maybe as soon as next year. And I think that he has been, or from what I read after watching him, he has been up in the low triple digits before, uh, but he's taken a little bit off to get some better command. I think that he's, he is a future um, bullpen piece. Uh, it was a fun time. You know, we were, we were barely, we saw two games. We were in Indy for, I think, 22 and a half hours. Um, it's an easy trip driving down. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was nice. It wasn't too hot. Uh, we had. It's basically a third of your time in Indy was basically watching the Cubs, the Iowa Cubs. Yes. Which was way too much baseball for Jack. He was <laughs> sure. I literally think in, I think it was, it might've been the bottom of the third, but certainly the bottom of the fourth at <laughs> latest. He was like, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Although normally they're decent about having sort of activities and random crap around. Those I mean, that was the other funny thing parks. That we walked in and he was like, where's the bounce house? <laughs> because that's what they had at the different motto in stadium. South Bend. Yeah, in yeah. South Bend, they had the bounce house. That's funny. All right, should we switch gears to the Chicago Bears, who wrapped up the preseason on Saturday, and whose next game will be against the fucking motherfucking Green Bay Packers um, in the prime Fox three twenty five spot. I was actually on the road uh, to South Bend uh, or to Indy, excuse me, when they uh, for Bears Bills. So I did not catch that. Uh, did you watch it, Noah? I watched the first, I want to say, two quarters. And then on my plane ride home, my plane had like whatever Xfinity or DirecTV or whatever. And so I caught, you know, bits and pieces of, of the second half. But um it's funny because a lot of people were, you know, obviously I, I'm watching just to see what the what what Justin Fields and the the offense looks like, and you know some of the de- defensive pieces. Um, a lot of people were really down on Fields um, for the for his performance. I think he was two for six, hit a big one to to DJ Moore that went like 40 yards, um, and then had a screen pass where he sort of got um, hit you know harder than you'd want him for a preseason game that went for 10 plus yards. Then that was they took him out after that set up, you know, first and goal. Um, but the incompletions I kind of liked. Like he was, you know, throwing to, to guys who weren't necessarily open, um, you know, throwing the ball down the field, trying to give his guys a chance, which I think is a good sign given that, you know, it seemed like last year he was so intent on on seeing guys open. And I think he knows that he's got, you know, actual talent around him and he's gonna go ahead and give his guys you know, a real chance to, to make plays for him, which I think, you know, you see all the best quarterbacks, you know, doing, they're not always looking for a, you know, a wide open receiver. They're willing, you know, they have risk tolerance and in a performance where, you know, I think it's stupid to overreact either way to the preseason. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm not going to take a, a ton away from when, you know, the, he had a couple touch, you know, long touchdowns um, in the first game. And I'm not going to take away from going, you know, 
33% completion percentage, but I did like to see his willingness to push the ball down the field. Um, and I am, listen, I'm, I'm actually pretty high. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it with predictions, but I'm, I'm pretty high on, on him and, and what this team's going to do um, this year. Slightly concerning that, you know, the, the Bills first team offense just went right down the field against the Bears first team defense and that the Titans, you know, were able to do the same thing. I mean, that first week when the Bears had, you know, most of their, their defensive starters on the field, that did yeah. give me some concern. But again, like, you know, I don't know if you remember how how the preseason ended last year. Justin Fields had three touchdown passes in the first half in a game against Cleveland. Yeah. Um, it's not like that was exactly an indicator of an unbelievable offensive season that was incoming. So it's it's yeah. pointless to to overreact either way to this this stuff. Um, but I think the point stands that it's it's nice to see, you know, if if that trend you know continues of him being willing to push the ball down the field and give his guys yeah. chances. And throw guys open, which is what you're saying. Exactly. He was he was trying to do, which is yes. good. That's definitely good. And I saw I saw the numbers, and then I think I saw that his PFF grade was like uh, it was over sixty, and sixty is average. Which when you uh, I think it was like sixty three or sixty five or something. So not you know tremendously good. But when you looked at his stat line, that would read like a game that is subpar. Um, and that, that's kind of not the way they graded. Now, after that game was kind of probably the first big surprise, which was a couple days later, they cut, they didn't even wait till the last, until today, by the way, so that we are recording this after the last round of cuts. Um, then they cut PJ Walker. And then it was, was so is, I was pronouncing it badgent, but apparently it's Bajent. Tyson Bajent, is it? Yeah, I think Bajent is is correct. So the you know oh is it going to be him or is are they going to try to stash him on the this practice squad? Yeah, on the practice squad and go with wait no I was going to say Peterson but it's Peterman right? Yes, it's like the Seinfeld Uh, Nathan Peterman who is probably has possibly the worst start in NFL history uh, on his resume. Who's basically a meme quarterback at this point? Yeah, got thrown to the wolves. Um, and today we found out that it, it is actually going to be uh, Beijing. And I actually, I like this move. Like we both thought that the Walker signing uh, was a good one, but from all reports, he was abysmal in camp. Yeah. No, um, I mean, I think the point you're, you're sort of moving towards is it's nice to see a willingness to not let money dictate decisions and let performance dictate decisions. You know? Yes. If he was, if Bajan was the second best quarterback on the roster, he should be the QB two, regardless of the the two million guarantee that Walker was getting. And uh, and smartly, that's that is a sunk cost, right? So don't kind of uh, exacerbate your mistake by giving a roster spot. And you know who knows what this Bajan kid is going to be. But if you're skeptical, like an undrafted free agent. Uh, can be a viable backup quarterback. Brock Purdy was essentially an undrafted free agent last year. Yeah. No, no. Listen, he's obviously going to be the exception to the rule, but even if it's not even about, you know, can he be or can he not be? He was better. So you got to, you got, you got to reward the guy who was, who was the better player. Um, And I like that they're willing to do that. Now on the flip side, you know, Valus Jones was a high draft pick a year ago, and he made the fifty-three. 
um, over a guy like, I don't know, maybe Darius Fountain, who probably played better. I'm obviously yeah. got more opportunity, um, but they, that's what, yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're on the flip side there. It seems like what is giving um, Vegas, you know, his opportunity is where he was drafted, not, you know, his, um, his play warranting it, obviously, given that the one uh, time he was on the field, he, he muffed a punt. Yeah. I will say that they, he reportedly, and like, a, you know, I, I didn't see any of this, that Jones did play well in the joint practices with the Colts. Um, obviously, it's a huge problem if you know, one of the biggest values this guy was supposed to bring to the table was his return man. He can't return punts. But I also think that he. That's one of my favorite he, things, though. Sorry to cut, to cut you off is when he gets the ball in his hands, he's really good. <laughs> right, like, I like, can't get the ball in his can't hands. Keep, what, can't keep the ball in his hands. Yeah. I will agree with them in that he has higher upside than any of these guys. Not certainly not because of youth, because yeah, he's entering his second year as, and he's thirty-two. Uh, as uh, Edmonds, who's entering oh, his sixth season. True? I think yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. Um, but he does have that speed, and that's something you can't teach. And they're trying to cut that. You know, apparently they're trying. They have a few gadget plays that involve him. He did make some nice plays towards the end of the year. Uh, yeah, yeah, that touchdown against Minnesota. He had a couple nice longer runs. Yeah, it, so I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with that, but. I do have a problem with some of the other moves that they made. I'm very disappointed with uh, three things um, that that happened. Uh, now, one is a light disappointment. Two, I really didn't like. Uh, the first one is that um, Micah Baskerville didn't make it. This is a linebacker, uh, undrafted free agent out of LSU. And they kept that Dylan Cole guy uh, who they had signed from the Titans uh, instead. And from everything that I saw, I I think Cole might have been hurt. He, he hasn't been able to be on the field, but that move made no sense. That Baskerville was one of their top performers in camp. Uh, and maybe they think that he'll, they'll be able to get him back on the practice squad and maybe they will. I don't know. But it seemed like in this case, the free agent signing, meaning Cole, I guess. Well, top performer where though, because I think going back to when we did our, you know, our free agency grades, one of the things that Cole graded out really well on was special teams. Special teams, yeah. But also I look, I don't want to make too big of assumptions, but I have to believe that a hungry, undrafted rookie free agent is going to be a good special teams player. That's what all these guys come. That's or where he's hungry and undrafted, and he's he's making mistakes, you know, over aggressive yeah, holding block in the back. Right? It, it works both ways. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I didn't. I still didn't like that move. Like I said, that one was like a lighter swimming. The two things that I really didn't like. The first one was cutting Gibson. I they they cut today. Travis Gibson, they said it came out earlier in the week that he had asked, they had given him permission to seek a trade. Um, he said he never, he it came out. He today, tweeted he himself. He never, yeah. He tweeted that I didn't ask. I made no trade request, which when I then looked back, they just said that they gave him permission to seek a trade. Everyone assumed that it meant that he requested it. Yeah. They that didn't necessarily what that wasn't necessarily what they had said. 
Um, the I just do not get this. This is a team that has really struggled to rush the quarterback whose leading sack er, <laughs> was a rookie safety last year, had the fewest sacks among defensive linemen of any NFL team. And granted, Gibson was a part of that. He has gotten after the quarterback pretty well in previous years. The thing with with Gibson is I agree with you that given how well he was performing in um preseason, something didn't add up and it started when you know the first depth chart came out and he was fourth on the depth chart. And everyone right. you know, it, it, that obviously didn't make a ton of sense, which that and then you know giving him permission to seek the trade and then obviously ultimately releasing him what leads me to believe that there's there's something more to this story, either disconnect with with him and other guys in the locker room or disconnect with him and the, the philosophy of the coaching staff that is leading. And whether or not that makes this you know move right or wrong, this could be a you know a regime that they have a certain way that you know they want their players to be. They have a certain you know philosophy that they want their players to buy into. And it could just be that you know in in different ways Gibson wasn't meeting that. And then the other thing is that they are the number one waiver priority team. And so if they're you know, saying we're going to look for for you know pass rushers um you know for on, on waivers um then it you know it's kind of a moot point anyways. Yeah, uh, but it's not to me look and if it's like oh we couldn't get a couldn't you didn't get along with the coaching staff or they couldn't motivate him whatever it's like that's a failure of the coaching staff, not on him. And I, he had seven sacks two years ago. They just paid huge money to a guy. And he's, this is his, he just turned 26. They just paid a bunch of money to a guy who's older than that, who just had his first like but seven sack season. This shouldn't be a surprise to you. If they, like, they're not, we just went through a draft where the, the obviously most talented player was uh, Carter. And they at, at the biggest position of need, and they showed a willingness that you know, given the the, the negative reports around the guy, that that's not someone they wanted to do business with. So well, it's not. Well, first of all, we don't. This is that's everything you're saying is all pure speculation. It wasn't a scheme fit or whatever else. But still, when you, in the preseason, he was like the most. I think he was like one of the highest graded uh, defensive linemen in all the preseason. Now, granted. He was going against not the first string offense when that was happening, but he did way more than Rasheem Green. And to me, it's like, yeah, I shouldn't be surprised. Doesn't mean I agree with it though. Just because, just because it's like, yeah, this this organization. That, then I think that's a that reflects poorly on the organization yet again. Well, so, and the organization I, that if that, that they're they're saying this is a guy that's going to be a problem in the locker room. We don't want to really have to deal with him. I don't, I don't, listen, that's speculation. Again, that is speculation, but a lot, a lot, a lot of pieces or not a lot of pieces, but a lot of evidence is, is sort of pointing towards that, that being the case. Yeah. It just kind of seems, well, I I don't know. And we'll see, maybe, you know, maybe he's going to go somewhere. He's never going to do anything. I just, it didn't, it doesn't add up 
uh, yeah, maybe he is a, I guess it's almost has to be that he's a huge asshole. Um, cause it does not add up. He did so much more than Rasheem green did. Well, if it's, uh, he's a huge asshole, we're number one waiver priority, which by the way, until recently, I did not realize that number one waiver priority means that every, you get the immutable. number one, yeah. right. It's not like you pick one player and then you got to go, you know, wait for the 31 other teams until you get your next choice. Every single player that you want that gets waived, you get the first dibs on. And so yeah, if which, if they're saying, listen, this guy's an asshole, speculation again. But if if let's follow that train of thought, because that seems to be the only thing that makes sense, given what his play in the field was. And so if they're saying he's kind of an asshole, we think there's going to be guys who are trending towards being cut that are going to be better than him anyways. And that we're, you know, played, have, have a better track record than him anyways. Let's cut the guy. Let's keep Green, who had a nice preseason, by the way, um, even if it was you know not quite as good as Gibson. And let's go pick someone up on on the waiver wire. No, Green didn't have a nice preseason. He didn't do anything. I'm thinking, thinking of Lewis. Of I'm thinking of Lewis. Lewis, I'm yeah, yeah Lewis. Lewis. Sorry, yeah. I just yeah, said the wrong yeah. name too. Yeah, no, I was glad they kept Lewis. It's Terrell Lewis. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. he. They should have kept him too. Rasheem Green did nothing in the preseason. He was signed from the Seahawks, um, and they kept him. I, I'm, I am glad they kept Lewis. I, I wanted them to keep Lewis and Baskerville of kind of the unsung guys who weren't expected to make the team at the beginning of camp. I thought that both those guys uh, – I was rooting for both those guys to make the team. Yeah, uh, Lewis is probably – other than Gibson was probably – and I think from just things that I saw – Lewis made more splash plays in practice than Gibson did. Yeah, and on the field, I mean, in preseason, he had a you know, strip sack. And he a did. Of, yeah, yeah. He so, made. He wasn't quite as effective in preseason games as Gibson, but he was very effective. So I was glad he made it. Now this leads into the thing that I really, really didn't like, and it's because of what you just said, which was the trade for. Is it Dan Feeney? Dan. Feeney? Feeney, right? yeah. Yeah. That they coughed up a sixth round pick, which look, can debate about like how good a sixth round pick is, is still a pretty big asset, especially when you might still be a shitty team. Um, they coughed up a sixth round pick to acquire a lineman basically because I guess because Nate Davis got hurt. You already and I, I know that. Well, no, because uh, he Eberflus just came out today and said everyone other than or not Nate Jay, Davis, Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins. Sorry, sorry, not Nate Davis. The, Tevin Jenkins got hurt. Nate Davis has been playing, but he supposedly is fine. Every, they, um, yeah, but, just everyone other than Jenkins is on track to play against Green to Bay. play. So, but in you know, so Jenkins is out. Davis hasn't played a whole lot. White hair has a injured hand, apparently. But this made no sense to me that there's almost no way that today a lineman of the same caliber of this Dan Feeney guy didn't get cut and they have first access to. So, again, this is an instance where I feel like um, Poles was not patient enough. You so wanted to say pace there. I could see it. You, the wheels were turning. <laughs> no, in your head. no. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to say pace. No, I wasn't actually. I was just, I was trying to remember how I had said it the last time when I was complaining about him not being patient enough with the trade uh, 
for trading the the number one pick, not waiting out, trading down to number two, and then trading that package to Carolina for the number two pick instead of the number one, uh, and also the the Claypool trade, which I felt like was another instance where he did not he wasn't deliberate enough. That was the word I'd use was deliberate. So I was trying to remember the word. This time I did remember that it was polls, not pace. But I just I think that that was a that was an un, completely unnecessary move for a guy who I'm not convinced would have even made the team. They just coughed up a pick from. And if the guy's not going to make the team, you definitely have access. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely weird. But uh, there's there's really no argument um, there. I think they liked the fact that he could play center in, in both guard spots. But again, if he's he's most likely not going to make the team, so give it your first waiver priority, go out and get him. And if you don't get him, it's not going to make or break, you know, your club your club. Borum has been unbelievable in preseason. You you can move it, try him at guard. You know, you've got these guys who seemingly are are very flexible um with Patrick, with um with Whitehair. And- he entire Carter Jatire Carter's been was, great too yes, apparently yes so, so it's it, like so there and it's and it seems like they're just kind of afraid it, there it seems like with the line they're just kind of falling into the proven veteran well uh, but if you're going to go that route Dalton Reiser Reisner you know I don't know what the why he's still sitting there but he's sitting right. there so that's what I mean know. they coughed up capital draft capital for no reason here yeah yeah which by the way, there's been a couple of deals. Like I think Amir Smith Marset just went for a seventh round pick. Some kickers have gone for sixth and seventh round picks. So it it I, those teams don't have number one waiver priority. So there really was sort of no justification given that there's a guy in the street who's better than Feeney. You have cap space if you want to go for him, or there's probably going to be guys who get cut who who've already gotten cut that that are better options. And you cut Leatherwood who you know whatever you want to say about him, he's probably, if you had to play him just as good as Feeney's going to be, it cost you a lot of money to do that too. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't, that wasn't my favorite move either, but I'm obviously not paying that close attention. I don't know how good he's been, but I, as we've talked about before, I firmly believe that a failed tackle can kick inside and be a serviceable guard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would have tried Borum. Which is why you already hated or, the Davis sign to begin with. Right. Yes. And look, the, that's the other thing. It's like you weren't ready for Tevin Jenkins to get hurt. You right. didn't think like you had a, like what what are you even doing then? Especially when these two there's two guys like Jatar Carter, not that they even had doubts about him. They just didn't even know what he was. Right. He apparently like started camp a little slow, okay. really improved as the uh as training camp went on and played well in the games. And then Borum, who definitely had a disappointing year last year, has been great. So why not give these guys a shot? Like, this is why you have spent draft capital on them. Yeah, no, uh, we're, we're absolutely on the same page there. Um, quick update, Cubs win one nothing. fuck Milwaukee. All right. I mean, nine and three, I think, unless they had one, one, one run games that I'm forgetting about. Uh, they lost. They lost the one run game. They're nine and four now because they lost nine and four. Okay, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh one of those games yeah, that, that yeah. lost was a one run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, what do you want to do? Well, how do you want to go from here? So, we're, well, what's... Did, were there any other roster things that you had? 
Oh, I did like the I did like the Mercedes Lewis pickup. I thought that was a nice move. Just because of his blocking and yeah, that they they didn't really have that. Um, yeah, they have definitely. Uh, you know, I guess Komet, I think is probably a middle of the road. Certainly, Tunyon. That's the one. That's his whole strike against him is that he's not a good blocker. Yeah, it's a college wide receiver uh, and everything else. So I thought that, that was a nice move. I wasn't a huge fan of any of the uh, the Carlsons and Tongas and whoever else they had in camp. I thought that was a nice uh, small move. And again, a nice kind of veteran uh, presence for in that receiving core, you know, or, uh, I assume that, I don't know, do the Titans have their own room? I don't know. Um, I'm just waiting on Jesper Horstead to pop. <laughs> Did he get cut today? No, I don't. I don't know. It's just a, yeah, uh, no, a name in my that. family that. Uh, oh no, I love. Uh, as I said, I think I mentioned that when I was talking about Tanyan. That that he is what I always thought Horstead could be. Yeah, I want to get your sort of your general vibe, and we can quickly run through sort of over under seven and a half. We'll quickly run through the schedule. You know, we did it, you know, a month or two ago, um, and then we can wrap up from there. How's that sound? Yeah, so you want to do like enough of a enough of a, a preview um, that we can justify we can go with it. If, yes, if we don't end up doing it next week, but next week we could do a deeper dive if Correct. we do have a time to plot. Okay. Yeah, I am not as optimistic uh, as I was maybe before training camp started, and it is mostly um, even though I said. I think a couple of weeks ago that the offensive line wasn't as bad last year as kind of it purported to be. I do remember that they were really good run blocking offensive line, not so good pass blocking, which is why they were kind of middle of the pack. Um, this is a team that's going to obviously have hopefully a more modern NFL offense, offense sure. with I me, mean, not with 130 actual- passing yards a game. Yeah, with actual weapons, and uh, I am worried about that line not being able to give Fields, who seems to need a lot of time, and like I said, maybe that's changing, um, enough time, period, uh, and certainly not enough time for someone that maybe takes a little longer to get through the progressions, or at least has to this point. So I'm worried about that, and then I'm very worried about the defensive line. Uh, I I thought that... Um, and Gakwe, or however that that is pronounced, my apologies. Uh, that that was a nice signing for them. Um, By the way, I think you nailed that one. So good job. I think there. I think that's right. I think I, I think I actually watched a video uh, on YouTube to to get the pronunciation. Yeah, just right. just a little inside baseball. Dan was before this just in Gakwe and Gakwe and Gakwe. So congrats, <laughs> congrats on that one. Yeah. Uh, now, once I actually find out, if I bother to Google it, I usually then will keep it in my head. Like I was, a, I was, and uh, oh, so it's just laziness that causes yeah, you to not yeah. know these. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I I worry about that defensive line. Um, the one I th- I would say the one thing that seems to have come out of training camp is people do seem pretty optimistic about their corners Yeah, Um, that, you know, Kyler Gordon is getting raves as the uh, slot corner. Um, You know, 
Jalen Johnson is, I don't want to say he's a known commodity at this point, but he's at least, he's certainly Jalen Johnson is Jalen Johnson. Yeah. (laughs) Good coverage. Not going to, not going to get beat, you know, too badly, but also not going to, you know, cause a a bunch of turnovers. That's sort of his, the, the rap on him. He's going to be solid. He's going to, you know, be able to serviceably guard the other team's best, you know, uh, wide receiver, but doesn't cause a ton of turnovers. And then, um, apologies, I had to switch microphones if I sound a little different. Uh, on the other cornerback spot, you have Tyreek Stevenson, who, look, you're relying on a rookie corner. We kind of saw a little bit of what this is like last year with Gordon. Um, but between um, Stevenson and then uh, Terrell Smith, who I think has looked pretty good, apparently, at least I don't know how he played in the games, but at least in practices, um, it seems like they have the makings of a pretty good young cornerback group. Um, you know, Jalen Johnson this year four, I think, for him is the is the oldest of these four guys. Um, and then if you look at safety, where they have Brisker and apparently Elijah Hicks has also looked really good. If they decide, you know, if Eddie Jackson's uh, bounce back season isn't, uh, isn't it might not even be a choice given given Eddie Jackson's track record. Correct. So right, and then you have that part of it too. Um, so maybe that secondary is starting to look uh, pretty good, but definitely have concerns about the defensive line, um, and that's kind of where this all starts and why. Again, it's disappointing to me for them to have to get rid of somebody who at least showed flashes in Travis Gibson. All right. So you have arrow pointing uh, down from, yes. to me, I'm, I'm excited. I don't, I mean, listen, I was excited going in and I'm still very excited. So I guess I would be arrow pointing sideways. I don't think I'm more excited yeah. than I was going in. And I want to preface this by saying, and we've sort of talked about this, that I find it, you know, pretty unfair that it's almost like the expectation is that they're going to win nine games or eight games when that would be a massive improvement year over year. Yeah. Um, And it's sort of, in my opinion, the peak of what they can do is probably get to, you know, nine wins, maybe 10 wins, but that seems like it's really stretching it. Um, And so I just think there's, you look around the football team and there's just a lot more competence than there was a year ago. There's a lot more guys that you belong on an NFL roster, which you really couldn't say a year ago. Um, And offensively, there's a disconnect because you watch the line and it looks terrible. And then it grades out, you know, at least better than the eye test would say last year. Um, And I, so I think it's going to be better than it was last year. Again, you know, you're getting more competence. I think, Davis's competence. I think Darnell Wright, you know, obviously rookies gonna have his struggles, but you draft him in the top ten, you're probably you're expecting competence. And even without competence yeah. last year, when Justin Fields was healthy, their their DVOA with him on the field was the 20th best offense. And that's with a lot of bullshit around him. And so now you add DJ Moore, you add better wep- uh better pieces on the line, you add more, you know, Tanyan, uh, you have a full season of Claypool, yeah. Just there's a lot more competence now around fields, and so I'm I'm expecting this offense to be you know at least league average if not better, um, 
And then the defense, everything besides, you know, the linebackers, they obviously invested heavily in, but they're going to be a, one of the better units, you know, with um, admins and AdWords. Um, and then you talk, you, we already talked about the secondary. And so you, we can quickly go through the schedule, but I, I, it's one of the easiest schedules um, in the league. Um, I don't know how much you look into rest advantage, but I think they've got one of the, be- the better rest advantages um, of, of any team, which seems year over year to be very, very important. And I think you just you get the second year in the same system for fields, and that's also you know a, a, a massive um, you know indicator of of success most of the time is just getting more comfortable in the offense. And so to me, sure. I think you just we have to readjust what the expectations of this team are because you can be really excited about where this team is at, and they can still you know at wound up with you know six, seven, eight wins. Yeah, and I was going to say that it's funny because where I'm coming from is that I just don't I don't see that nine and eight season. Not that I think it's impossible. It's certainly within the range of outcomes, um, but that seems like very high end. And right now, if the without looking at the schedule, I would say this is probably a seven and ten team. Uh, so I would be on the under for Vegas, but it also makes sense that that over under would be set artificially high because there's so many optimistic Bears fans putting money on the over that it's going to be like that. You know, they're they're just trying to equalize the sides there. So it's not necessarily reflective of what they actually think the expectation is. I think the a more realistic over under for this team would be six and a half, yeah. which is. Still a three and a half win improvement over yeah. last year. And that's to your point, seven and 10 is going to feel to, I think, most Bears fans like a disappointment. That is a huge improvement over where they were last year, right? Seven and 10 is a certainly a mediocre record, but that is your, hopefully, they're in most games. You know, they're not getting blown out. It's like, they, look, they, they lost a lot of close games last year. If they just turn around their record in close games, that's going to be six wins probably uh, right there. Um, but, yeah, I'm worried about their ability to do more than that seven wins. And I, I, I think you're right. I think the I think for a lot of Bears fans, they really feel like this is a playoff team. And – you know, admittedly a low level playoff team. I don't think anyone thinks they're the best team in the NFC, but I do think that around Chicago, people are feeling like. Which is so funny. It it really is funny because you figure that just the, the amount of times we've beaten down and how frustrated, you know, things have been for so long that, be more in the wait and see camp and yet everyone is already willing to say we're going to be this year's Jaguars. Doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, but you know, here we are now just not looking at the schedule to me, the path to nine wins is this, I'll spell it out. You split within the division. So three and three in the division, whether that's taking two from the Vikings and one from the Packers and losing both to the lions or, one from each team or two from the Packers sure. and one. Yeah. However, that, that slices out. So that's three. You get one from the Buccaneers. And, yes, let me, and let me just say, all right, let me just say something real quick before 
I totally agree with when doing this game by game. I totally agree with looking at the division as one big block of games and saying, because I actually, I think I said that when we did this the you know months ago, and I I would say that I'm kind of looking at them being two and four in division. But I know you're talking now about their path to something better than seven wins. So I get it. Uh, I just wanted to I just wanted to co-sign. The idea of looking at the division as a block. Sure. All right, go ahead. So then you get the Buccaneers, who they'll be favored against and are projected to be, again, it's so hard because you really don't know what these teams are supposed to look like. But you get the Bucs, so that's four. The Commanders, you Certainly hope... they do not have an answer at quarterback when right. you're playing the Bucs. I mean, right. that's... Yeah. The, com- the Commanders, you hope, can be five. The Raiders, you hope, right. can be six. The Panthers, you hope, can be seven. The Cardinals, you hope, can be eight. And then one of the Falcons or the Saints, you hope, can be nine. To me, that's sort of their path to um, you know, nine and eight. Maybe instead of one of those, you know, the, the Broncos at home is maybe one, you know, an extra win. Um, but other than that, you know, maybe the Browns, who knows how how Watson will look, whatever. Like there is to me a path to this team hitting their, that ceiling. And I think the key word is ceiling of nine, maybe 10 wins, but you know, most likely a ceiling of, of nine when you, when you sort of map it out like that. Yeah. And the teams that they play are, many of them are at the very bottom of the league in terms of like their quarterback situation. Yeah. Right. Washington has a, horrible quarterback bottom or just unknown Bay. one or the other right like, i mean like well i'm just saying well yeah i mean uh, to me those are kind of the same tampa bay atlanta we could get to washington how it could be you know awesome but right yeah, as of now they're considered yeah. to be the the bottom Unlo- yeah unlikely right I, i'm i'm literally looking at the yes no granted this is one source espn quarterback rankings uh, they have the Bears at 16. Uh, number 32 is Arizona. the Redskins. Arizona. No, because this isn't taking into account. This isn't taking into account the Kyler, fact that Murray Kyler. is hurt. Okay. Yeah, this, I assume this is with him, or at least thinking that he'll be back at some point. This fair. Kind of fair, like fair, fair, fair. Honestly, I've forgotten, I've forgotten about it, to be honest. So that's fair. Yeah, so, but that, that was another thing. It's like Arizona's 22 here, but practically might be 32. Right. Uh, I don't know when that game is. Um, it's towards and the end, might, it's towards the end, end, end of the season, season. but they, they could just be saying, we want Caleb Williams, so let's, let's, let's bench him. Right, exactly. They might just decide that he's not going to play all year. Right. Uh, all right, so Washington is 32. Atlanta is 31. Tampa Bay is 30. Uh, those are three of the teams they have, and they actually have Green Bay as 29. I would, I would kind of agree with you there that who knows? That's, that's a little more iffy. No one knows what to expect from Jordan Love other than – I do, their a Hall of Fame history. quarterback. Right. Given their recent history, uh, he's probably going to be lights out. Um, but certainly that, you know – if you were looking at who do you want to face in terms of trying to craft a path to get to a better than expected season, uh, it's a pretty decent recipe. 
Well, um, and if you okay, yeah, go you, ahead, go ahead. Sorry, finish go finish going through. No, no, I was, no. no, that was. I was it. just I was just gonna say if you look at Vegas and sort of the way Vegas is seeing things, and again, it's so hard to to do this this far out, but the Bears are favored in one, you know, the Green Bay game, the Buccaneer game, the um, Raider game, the Panther game, the Cardinal game, and the Falcon game. That's seven. At one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, they're, they're favored in seven games. They're one-point underdogs to Denver. They're one-point underdogs to Washington. Um, the last game in the season is no line with with Green Bay, and they're one point underdogs at home against Detroit. So you know, even Vegas is saying, and that could just be baked into the fact that it's so hard to do this as far out. But there, there clearly is a path there for this team to to get to eight nine wins. It's it 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 seems like this you know there isn't the same delta you know, between them and, and the teams that they're, they're playing this year that, that there was last year. Yeah, I would agree with that. So what, so what is your then definition of a disappointing season this year? To me, it's still all about fields. If fields isn't good, that's, that's as disappointing as, as it gets. Are you just mean when, when loss wise? Presumably one is going to follow the other. Right. I mean, I guess it's possible that Fields throws for 4,000 yards and rushes for 1,000 and they go 4 and 13, but it's pretty unlikely. So to me, given the schedule, I would say anything less than I'd say I'd say if the, if they finish the season they win 6 games, I'd be disappointed. I think over six and a yeah, half. That's exactly that's exactly where I am. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. Just I, I I will be I really want this team to be able to win seven games. Those for, and we talked about this quickly, but those first two weeks I think are going to be so brutally important in in sort of yeah. the direction of of where they go. Right, you have Green Bay at home, and then you go to Tampa Bay, because you you know looming week three is is a trip to Kansas City, and so if you're able to take those those first two games, I think then you're really setting yourself up for that that seven eight nine win season for sure. Yeah, and speaking of setting ourselves up, I think we're really setting ourselves up to be devastated after week one <laughs> because it seems like, oh, finally they're going to be able to beat the Packers, um, and I just don't know. But um, it's not sure, right? It's like, but to me, it's it's more finally we might actually have the edge at quarterback, which time and time again, even when we felt like we had the better team, it never mattered because the guy under center that they always had was better than who we had. And so that was always the great equalizer. And so now it feels like it could be the tide could be turning on that where we get the great equalizer of, of number one being, being the guy that even if, you know, our team, which I don't think it is top to bottom as good, he's the guy that's going to outperform, you know, 10 on the other side. Yeah, which is oh a nice boy. feeling, right? It's just, it's just been so long. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm gonna be a wreck that day. It's um I'm gonna be as nervous as you can be, um. But that's it's exciting to sort of be in that spot. It's, it's been a while, um, and 
I think it's as exciting a week one game as as you could possibly have for for this team. The other thing that does give me a little bit of pause is, you know, I was, ESPN just released their top 100 players, and I think the Bears had one. I think DJ Moore was 99. DJ Moore's like at 90. They, I scrolled through the whole thing. I'm like, and then Fields wasn't even listed as a snub. Right. And so, listen, if this team goes where, you know, Edmonds is probably in the conversation, Fields is probably in the conversation, but – you know, you look at the teams that do have a ton of guys on there, and it's the Kansas Cities and and the Lions have a bunch, and uh, the Eagles have a bunch, and the teams that you do, the you know the Chargers, and Dolphins. so the Dolphins, Dolphins right? Have a bunch. And so yeah. just the lack of of top end talent, you know, does mean that a lot more things have to go well um, for this team, you know, to succeed. And so that's that's one thing where I was like, wait, you know, we're just looking back holistically, like shit, like this team is still, you know. A little bit far away, but you look at Jacksonville last year, and it's not like they had a ton of top, you know, top 100 talent on that team either. So again, the path is there. It's it's doable, but I think it's important to sort of be on the mindset that that nine and eight, again, maybe ten and seven, is is an absolute ceiling for for what this team can can do. Yeah, like you, I just want Fields to to be the answer. That's the most important thing of this season is to come out of it feeling like, oh my God, they actually have a viable quarterback. As we've talked about before, I see, uh, I can see a wide range of outcomes for him. I think the other thing that we haven't really talked about yet is I am a little worried about his ability to stay healthy. Um, right. That's, maybe yeah, it's important. It previously. It is an important conversation because if he's, if he's down that, that drastically, and I guess, that does make you, you know, the under even more enticing is that they are one, you know, hit away from, from probably being abysmal again, um, which does does make that that under seven and a half a far more, you know, enticing or I guess if you're better enticing outcome, but potentially a far more likely outcome, given the fact that you're probably baking in two to three games where, you know, at least the track record is that he's going to have to miss. Yeah, and. That part, um, him not being able to stay healthy or him underperforming uh, changes kind of the whole outlook of what the future looks like. If he, you know, is always going to be missing games or if he's just not as effective, that part is going to be more devastating than whatever their record ends up being. Right. Although, again, I'm, you know, just to play devil's advocate and to sort of where the, you know, the optimism comes from is that we're talking about a track record that is based on him being surrounded by, you know, mediocrity and not even mediocrity, just, just, you know, a, a bunch of subpar non NFL caliber, you know, supporting cast. And so the hope is yeah, again, that with competence around him, that, you know, he is able to, to one, stay healthy and to, you know, shine this year, given, and what do you, you know, again, 20th ranks offense by DVOA with, you know, absolute shit around it. Um, so that that's where, you, know, you again, I guess if you want to be on the over seven and a half, that's sort of what, what you're looking at, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no doubt that on paper and I am on paper in reality, they are a, their parts are better. They are a better team when they are last than they were last year. They're better by far at wide receiver than they were at this time last year. 
Um, they're better. Their tight end room is better. Their line is better. Um, maybe the defensive line was better last year because maybe at this time you still had Quinn, who I, I think actually just got cut. He, or, I think, he is in trouble. With he never full. got signed, right? Never got signed, and then I think he's in trouble with the law. Something he's in trouble other. with the law, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, the team is better than they were last year. But the, again, this all just hinges on Fields and what can he become. Um, right. But if you're point, so three things I'm, to me. Sorry, finish up, then I'll say three things. No, no, no. I was gonna say I'm is what do you remember the year? How many years ago was it? Where they like. They lost the first game. Was it ten three? They held Rodgers to ten fucking points and still couldn't win. That was the first game of the season, wasn't it? And that had to be at the end. That was the last game of the season where they let him into the the playoffs. Because um, I don't remember a ten to three opener. It was a Thursday night game. Oh, 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 2019. Yes, 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 yes. That was the year. Yeah, yeah Thursday night yeah, game. Yeah. They lost ten three. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. In the opener, if something like that fucking happens again, I'm going to be devastated. That's the whole thing. Like, if, if it's going to be tough for them to lose to the Packers again, if that's the way that it goes on in the opener, but it's going to be especially tough if they lose 38 to 35. I'm probably going to be less depressed, although that means that love is going to be. <laughs> Although we're, our defense has has uh, the potential to make a lot of quarterbacks yeah. look really good, but again, thirty eight thirty five would be a a much more acceptable outcome than another ten yeah. three. Yeah. Well, all right. So here's here's sort of if you want to be positive, which I always want to be. Number one. No, I never am. Okay, go ahead. Right. Number one. Well, you've been alive longer than I have, so it's sort of gotten beat out of you more than it has of me. Um, number one, the, they were fun last year when they had nothing around him. Um, you know, they had a stretch, I think, where they were scoring, I think the most points in the league for, for a four game stretcher were, you know, at least in the top five. Um, and now he has competence around him. And so at the very least, it's hard to imagine if he's healthy, that you are going to get that 10 to three result. And to me, it's more likely that they're in that middle of the pack, maybe even slightly better. That's one. Two, they had one of the hardest schedules last year and now have a last place schedule. And even without the last place, you know, just it's lined up to be one of the easiest schedules with the rest advantage. And then number three, even with how bad they were, they were like one in seven in, and you said this in, 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 um, in one score games with, you know, all the other shit that was going on. And so that, even if that's, you know, four and four or whatever, like they were still able to be competitive last year. And so if all those, you know, those things sort of come together, it's hard for me to envision that they don't get to at least seven wins. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, that's kind of what I think that's probably why we both pegged that as the falling short of that makes it a disappointment. Yeah. But to me, that, that all right. it seems like that can, it's, it's not a far-fetched, right? That's like, those are all things that, that lead me to believe that that's not it's not wishful thinking. It's not entirely, but it's also like given this team, this franchise's track record, that you're expecting the minimum 
is wishful thinking. That's that's a whole different conversation, right? Is how much stock you want to put into the history, you know, a franchise's history bearing, you know, on on future result. That's to me that's that so, you know, I I believe in it, but you know, a lot of people think it's it's horseshit and I'm guessing that the guys in the locker room don't give you know, a shit about the the 2019 Bears losing 10 to 3 in an opening day. Yes, and that is true, but Look, New England, the New England Patriots were probably one of the worst organizations when I was a kid growing up, right? So you can turn it around. It's not like yes. it, it's not like it's forever. But under the McCaskies, um, this this franchise has not been good. Uh, has not gotten things to fall their way. Generally speaking, when one unit Typically, the defense has been really good. The other one has been abysmal. Uh, that's potentially what we're, in in some way, we're hoping at least that the offense is really good, and that you know, the offense being really good and the defense abysmal, it would be acceptable, I think, because then we could maybe focus on that with your two first round picks. But it is hard for me just to be like, well, there's all these pretty simple things that if they just fall into place as they should, they're going to win seven games. Uh, that very thinking has caused much pain in the past. Um, Although, but I'm still thinking it. You watched, you watched the Cubs win a world series. So what isn't possible? That's very true. And that's as good a place to any, uh, to end this episode of the Stark and Cope Chicago sports podcast uh join us again next week when we may or may not have something for you to join us 